Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Jane Addams Resource Corporation provides free manufacturing job training in welding, computerized machining, and mechanical assembly. Each training program is integrated with support services, including financial literacy, employment coaching, and job placement assistance. Training is available in the Ravenswood, Austin, and Chatham neighborhoods of Chicago. And all training sites are currently enrolling new applicants. Visit jane-adams.org to sign up for an application session to learn more about how to start your new career today. That's jane-adams.org. Illinois is a state with a grand history of profound impact on our nation. Not now, Pritzker. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, January 25th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. It is Tuesday, January 25th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, put on your big boy pants. Yes, put on your big boy pants. <laughs> Personal PAC president and CEO, T.C. Terry Cosgrove. And now your host. Oh. Your flies down on your big boy pants. <laughs> Zip them up. Okay, good. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Grayson Allen is a punk Tuesday, and here's why. Because Grayson Allen is a punk. I know we have thousands of you out there. Thousands and thousands. Go, ben, who's Grayson Allen? I'm a political junkie. I got to be I honest. I've never heard of Grayson Allen. When I hear you say it, I think of uh, Grace and Frankie, that show on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Jane Fonda. Good friend of Terry Cosgrove, who's our uh, next guest, our guest today. Uh, no, it's not that TV show. I know a lot of you out there don't want to hear me talk about sports. but be really fast. Grayson Allen is a guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. Boo! And on Friday, he did one of the dirtiest, low-down, nastiest, punkiest moves when he pretty much tackled uh, Alex Crusoe, my beloved Chicago Bulls, I was midair doing a dunk, and Crusoe fell on his uh, hand, broke his wrist. Now he's out for eight weeks. I, I was so upset by that. And you, and you, I know what you're thinking out there. You're thinking, Ben, why are you getting so upset over a basketball game, over a trivial thing like sports, when there's just so much horror in the world today? And it's like, yeah, but sports is my escape. From the horror of the world. 
And my beloved Bulls were really starting to show me something this year. And Alex Crusoe is a very important part of the Bulls. So I was so upset. And then the slap on the wrist. Crusoe's out for eight weeks. This guy's only going to be gone, suspended for a day. And then all the excuses from Milwaukee. Not even excuses. Oh, I love him. That's the coach. Oh, he's such a great guy. So weird about sports. The reality is this. Milwaukee benefited from that cheap shot. I'm just telling you, folks, the way it is. Milwaukee benefited from that cheap shot play by Grayson Allen because they knocked out for eight weeks one of the Bulls' most important players. Allen only gets one day suspension. So effectively, the NBA is rewarding the Milwaukee Bucks for punkish cheating play. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought in the world of sports we had honor replayed by rules. Nope. Well, then you go over to that other sport, hockey, where they're just beating the crap out of each other and allowed to do it. Yeah, I quit hockey because (laughs) I quit hockey because it's insane. I thought the NBA was more civilized than hockey, but apparently not. Anyway, so I got my revenge, folks. I just all day I was just filled with this venom on Saturday because my beloved Bulls were just so betrayed. And I put it while I was watching that football game. I put put like a, a spell on Green Bay Packers to make them pay for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the spell. Dude. OK, I thought that's cool. And the spell was so intense that at a key moment in the fourth quarter, when the when the Green Bay Packer punter was punting from his own line, I went, and all of a sudden they gave more power, a surge of energy to San Francisco, and they burst through the line and they blocked the punt and they recovered the the the, the ball, they picked the ball up and ran it into the end zone for a touchdown, and they ended up winning the game. Yes, it was me. If only I had that power to, in politics, if only I could apply that power that I used to turn the tides against the dreaded, hated Green Bay Packers to make them pay for the behavior of the Milwaukee Bucks. Get it? Milwaukee's in Wisconsin and Green Bay's in Wisconsin. Mm, that's, that's how my mind works, D. That sports voodoo. Only, that sports voodoo just works in mysterious ways. <laughs> If only I had that, this is what I do with it. Uh, This idea popped into my head when I was talking to TC, Terry Cosgrove, right before the show. And Terry's all fired up for the upcoming election. But he says that he's sick and tired. We're going to talk about this with TC. But he goes, so many of his dams are deflated. Why? By the way, I should talk this with Monroe. Because all they do is watch uh, MSNBC. And MSNBC is just filled with depressing news about Democrats. I don't even watch MSNBC. I just look at the before the. Uh oh, uh oh, unknown joined. There he is. TC is here. I did it. I did it. I'm just giving your theory, Terry. Let me just finish my my theory. I stole this from Terry Cosgrove. I stole this theory from Terry Cosgrove. And if he hadn't shown up right now, I wouldn't even admit that I got it from him. I would just steal it. But he'd go, wait a minute. I said that first, but it's true. All my liberal friends, my demi-dem friends, spend their hours, waking hours, watching MSNBC, and they get so depressed. Oh, we're going to lose. Oh, it's so horrible. Can I add add something else to that? 
Um, I don't remember her name, but her last name is Eiffel. She's one Eiffel's daughter, and she was the chief lawyer for the um, yes. Southern Poverty Law Center um, voting rights. I saw an interview with her recently, and she made so much sense because she said nothing that has been worthwhile in history has not come out of the worst moments. And she used, you know, the um, Martin Luther King being arrested and this Pettus Bridge and all the violence that went into getting the Voting Rights Act. And she cited all this stuff. She was very optimistic about, and that doesn't mean I feel that way, but I think it's a theory worth looking at that that good things only happen when things are horrible it was basically her theory and she was very optimistic that this this these repressive times that we're in is actually on the other side is going to produce a lot of positive change but more than that what i'm telling my counterparts we as leaders and that includes you we have a responsibility to be uplifting and positive and let people know what they can do to make change happen rather than reveling in all the horrible news. And so well, I, I uh, by the way, I think her name is Sherilyn Eiffel. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, it's the NAACP, uh, and she's a brilliant lawyer. I she is brilliant, and yeah, I, I, yeah. she really knows how to talk about what's going on today out of the, the bubble of CNN and MSNBC and Fox. Oh, God, I think I just lost you. Did I? No, you're here, but there's some weird noises coming from your computer. Are you playing Frogger? <laughs> I don't see you, though. Where am I? In the- uh, no, I can oh, hear you. Okay. There you are. Okay. I see you and I hear you. So Go ahead. So I think on, so on today's show and I think going forward and I'm having conversations with some of my counterparts, we really need to get out of this uh, this this cycle of being down about what's going on. And we can be angry. We can be all of that. But, you know, we need to be we need to let people know that this isn't the first time in history that things have been bad. And it's only when people have come together to fight back and dig in that we win. And I think that's really got to be the message. Well, I, um, I hear you. And uh, I call it the, oh, woe is me syndrome. Uh, where uh, people feel so depressed by the news. And I think I mentioned this to you before we went on the air, so I'll repeat it now, uh, just in case I didn't. I just imagined saying it to you. When Donald Trump was president and uh, had all that power and had that huge platform, particularly for uh, Twitter, and Dems and centrists and my Demi friends would be watching uh, MSNBC and they would see what Trump was doing. They would get enraged. Right. And it would fire them up to change it. And now when they watch Joe Biden and he can't conquer COVID and he's struggling with inflation and he looks tired sometimes, they get depressed. Right. I know. I know. Stop it. We're not on the air right now, are we? Yes, we are. Everyone's listening to you right now. <laughs> So they get depressed. And what I'm saying is you can't you can't allow it's like advice from me. Who would take advice from me? Like you just can't allow your down moments to overwhelm you. Right. When it gets to politics. And you know what Uh, people need to do, Ben? You, You know what they need to do? What? They need to put on their big boy pants just like you have repeatedly and i you know and I, but i'm serious we all you know we all need to get up and understand and you know we are fortunate enough to live in a state where we actually have the power to do good i mean think of 
the people living in Indiana or Texas or where they where the odds are so stacked against them. But here in Illinois, we have some of the best voting rights legislation. We have some of the best candidates running for office. We have great leaders. You know, we we have a lot to that we can work for and be very positive about the outcome of our elections if we all get off our duffs and get out there and register people to vote, knock on doors and do all the grassroots work that, and, and you know, sending a message, you know, I'm guilty of this too, putting a message on Facebook makes you feel good for 10 seconds, it's like sugar. And then, and then what's happened? Nothing. So people need to, you know, I mean, Facebook is fine, it's nice and everything, but it doesn't, we're just talking to each other. It doesn't really do anything. We need to get out there, we need to do the work. And that's what Personal Pack is about, that's what Jane's Army is about, the new organization that we've just launched, which Jane's Army, 2022.com is the website. And what we're going, what we're gonna do is we're gonna harness all that energy out there to make sure that we have a volunteer army and Jane comes from the collective of women in Chicago that is now nationally known and there's three films coming out about it. Actually, three of them are being shown at Sundance this week, but it's about really harnessing all the progressive energy out there, not just around reproductive rights, but around all the issues. I mean, we cannot have reproductive rights without voting rights. I mean, that is clear. And uh, because the more right wingers take over, you know, our governments, and I say that plural, meaning state, federal, local, uh, the, the, the worst things are going to be for reproductive rights and all the issues we care about. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, I just wanted to alert people what big boy pants means before we come back to Jane's army. And, uh, so this goes back to a conversation over the air I had with Terry and I think it was back when I was on the radio at WCPT before they fired me before my big mouth got me fired Uh, and uh, so Terry was on the air and I was I did not vote for Pritzker in the primary Terry knows this he loves making fun of me for this I did not I voted for somebody else who (laughs) this who's now the mayor of Evanston yes and doing a great job I want yeah okay doing an incredible job as the mayor of Evanston all right my beloved hometown of Evanston so I didn't vote for him and uh Terry we used to have these debates on the air was supporting uh Pritzker and he basically, this Terry Cosgrove said, what are you, dumb? It's essentially, those are the more or less. You got a billionaire who can fund his own campaign. There's not a dime's worth of difference between him and Biss on any issue. What kind of schmuck are you that you would vote? It's literally what he said, ladies and gentlemen. No, I don't know if that's literally, but I meant it. Let's put it that way. That's so it. He was 99% correct. Yeah. I was 99%. He may not have called me a schmuck. He may have called me a putt. But anyway, neither here nor there. Fair. I believe that JB was the only person that could beat Bruce Rauner, and uh, and I stand by my record. That's all I'm going to say. All right, fair enough. But he said you got to put your big boy pants on and get out there and support JB Pritzker. And I had never, believe it or not, folks, that's the first time I ever heard that saying. I was like, oh my god, that's hilarious. I started saying it all the time. I was like, you got to put your big boy pants. I'd say to my kids, you got to pick your big boy pants on, guys. We're watching basketball games. He's got to put his. And then. 
unbelievable. I couldn't believe this. That right winger for the Chicago Tribune, John Cass, he came out with a column and someone's going to put your big boy pants on. I'm like, I said it to Terry, go, man, Cass is stealing your best line. I'm depressed. No, I've actually heard it in a movie recently, too. And I can't remember what it was. And I jumped up and I said, yeah, no, it's been, I didn't invent it then. I, I, I can't take credit for something that um, I didn't really do. Um, I just right. stole it uh, to describe what you need to do. So everyone listening needs to put on their big boy pants and join our event tomorrow night at six o'clock. Um, you can go to Jane's J A N E S army. 2022.com and we are having none other than Heather Booth who is the founder of Jane and there's a great interview on um, that was done on Democracy Now! last night with Heather about founding Jane and what it was like prior to uh, Roe v. Wade uh, in Chicago and elsewhere and also Heather talks about what we can do in this post-Roe era so Heather will be on live um, tomorrow night at six o'clock, or you can go to that website and sign up. If you scroll to the bottom, there's a sign up for the event. And also state representative Kelly Cassidy, who, um, who sponsored the Reproductive Health Act, which says that regardless of what the U.S. Supreme Court does, Illinois will remain a pro-choice state and will protect abortion rights. You don't want to miss this event. And more importantly, you need to sign up, take the pledge, which we're going to, which is on the website as well. And uh, join us tomorrow at six o'clock so we can put Jane's army together. Men, women um, of all uh, stripes are welcome. Uh, and uh, and we'll take it from there. In fact, Men for Choice is one of the co-sponsors. So is our Future Voices Council. And Personal Pack is the third uh, sponsor. And we're looking for um, we're looking for partner organizations to join us. And the purpose is is to get an army of people that are going to go out and win these elections in 2022. Because we absolutely have to do that with this election being the most important in 50 years. And I'll throw it back to Ben to ask me whatever questions he wants about that. All right. Very good. We will uh, uh, take it point by point. I have a whole list of things I want to run through uh, with Terry. Supreme Court seat, uh, very important. The governor's race, uh, very important. But I just want to get this point out. And um, I give Terry a hard time. I like to tease him. But personal pack plays to win. And, and folks... Uh, David Ferris comes on this show, political scientist, very popular guest on this show, uh, always chiding Democrats because it's like he can't understand like the filibuster, like how they cling to the filibuster or how they run away from controversial issues like they're afraid of winning. Terry Cosgrove plays the game to win. And his issue, his particular issue is reproductive rights for women. And if Illinois is the bluest state on this issue. It's a large degree because of Terry and his allies at Personal Pack. They play to win. And if someone who knows this is Bruce Rauner, the ex-governor, key, emphasize that word, former governor. And Terry, right now, the Democrats, in my humble opinion, don't play to win. I don't know what they play to run around and lose weight. I have no idea what they they're always afraid that they're going to get the other side upset at them. They're always afraid that they're going to get some imaginary middle of the road voter mad at them. I watch it with the filibuster. Unbelievable. They can't get a voting rights bill through because cinema and mansion want to play nice with Republicans. 
please explain to my listeners how this kind of fighting with your one hand behind your back has ever going to win or prevail in the political arena. Take it away, Terry. Right. Well, first of all, I want to go back to the cinema mansion thing. I mean, I think the strategic mistake that de- Democrats are making it especially going into an election now that we're in an election cycle, they need to blame the 50 Republicans or in the, um, in the Illinois Senate for this and stop talking about mansion and cinema. We're done. They've made their case. We're not, we're not going anywhere with that, that I can see now someone, if, if I'm not, if I'm missing something, I'll be more than happy to say that I'm wrong, but I just don't see that this is like beating a dead horse. We're done. What they need to start doing is talking about how the Republicans have no platform. They stand in the way of all progress and list very specifically what the Republicans oppose. And the list is, we could take probably the next two hours, but uh, lowering the price of prescription drugs, uh, trying to outlaw abortion, uh, do away with labor rights. I mean, I, I'm not going to waste any more time going through the list, but the Democrats need to hold the Republicans accountable for what they're not doing and that they're obstructionists and get off this mansion and cinema thing. I don't want to hear about it anymore. They have dug themselves so deep in a hole about talking about it. We gave it the best shot that we did. It didn't work. Now what we need to do And this goes back to all the emails that I'm getting. Sign on to this platform. Join this Zoom about about this platform or this policy issue. Well, it doesn't make any difference if you don't have people who are going to support the platform or policy issue. So what I want to know is what are people doing to flip the one Senate seat, and I'm just using this as hypothetically, which gets to the mansion thing, but what are Democrats doing to flip the one Senate seat in the Wisconsin legislature that would not allow the Republicans to override a, an a, uh, a Governor Evers' a veto? That is something so concrete that would make a huge difference because you could talk about all the policy platforms you want, but if you don't control the levers of power, and Ben, I've said it over and over, winners make policy, losers make noise. If if we don't if we don't have the levers of power, all the platforms, all the ideas, all of it doesn't make any difference in my mind. I mean, I just don't see the point about spending hours talking about demands that we want to make. Make the demands at the ballot box on election day. That's that's where you're going to get it. So. Back to, so the Democrats need to seize the narrative that the Republicans are trying to destroy our democracy. They stand for nothing except power and that they are actually hurting working people and middle-class people in this country by not supporting common sense policies that are supported by the vast majority of Americans, such as lower prescription prices. I mean, basic stuff, $15 minimum wage. I mean, things that are, are so popular, they need to start talking about that holding Republicans accountable, win two or three Senate seats in 2022. And guess what? Go back and ch- and then get your voting rights. Get a bill passed that codifies Roe v. Wade into uh, federal law. Do everything, you know, climate change, everything. But we're not going to do that if we keep talking about mansion cinema. Let's get to work, win these Senate seats, these U.S. Senate seats in 2022, um, keep the House and then in Illinois, which is where, you know, which is my um, sandbox, <laughs> is we need to make sure that we win both of these Supreme Court seats, right. re-elect JB and do all that. So, that, so that's my on it. 
that that let's stop with the whole gnashing our teeth. Let's stop watching TV 24 hours a day and hearing about, you know, all the Beltway news and get out there and win elections. And if yeah. we don't do that, we're not be this is not rocket science. You don't have to be a, a brain surgeon to figure this out. Either you have the votes like I have on my signature on my email. The it's. The only thing that matters is 60, 30, and one, and otherwise it's all just talk. And that's a quote from Rich Miller, by the way. And that's always been my, that's my Bible, you know, yeah. so to go to your point about it's, it's all about winning. And that's how Illinois is now a 100% pro-choice. And, you know, we're the only state to ever repeal a restriction on Medicaid funding for um, for abortion. We're the only state to repeal a mandated dangerous parental notice of abortion law uh, legislatively because we took elections seriously. This is not hard to understand. I don't. I, and so I I'm always kind of frustrated that more people aren't focused on getting the levers of power rather than what to do with it when you get it. Let's get them. And it'll be easy to figure out what to do with them. The the number from Rich Miller, 30, uh, number of Senate seats you have to have to to take control of the state Senate and uh, a house bill number. What is that? 60. Yeah. And one governor to sign a bill. That's what counts. We got to give Rich Miller credit uh, for that one. And uh, yes, Terry's correct. Whenever he sends an email, you see that Rich Miller quote. Uh, and Rich, he gives you credit for in the quote. He just doesn't steal it. So he's not like me stealing ideas from his guests and then using them, pretending they're right. his own. He actually gives a guest. He gives you credit, Rich Miller. All right. Uh, Terry, uh, let's start with the Supremes. Sure. The Illinois State Supremes. Wake up, Democrats. Kenny G is not playing. This is a power move on his part. He's going to take control of the state Supreme Court. Kenny G, you know who he is. Ken Griffin, the richest man in the state of Illinois. Take it away. Terry Cosgrove. Explain to the sleepy Dems of Illinois what's about to happen. Okay, we'll do do politics 101 on the Supreme Court. at your request, um, the there are seven um, Illinois Supreme Court um, judges in Illinois. Three of them are elected from Cook County. That's District One, and then the other four districts, um, two, three, and four, are elected by districts. They were first drawn in the 1960s, and in the last session of the General Assembly, they redraw they redrew those four uh, seats in order to match the population. Because since the 1960s, one Supreme Court district had like 3 million people in it, another had 430,000. So they were totally out of whack in terms of uh, having um, approximate equal uh, representation within each district because they are, people do elect these Supreme Court justices. So that's the important part here. So the Republicans control Um, two of those and then of the four of the remaining two there there are open seats there is an election going on and if the republicans win both of those seats that means that everything we care about from reproductive rights to climate to workers rights uh to lgbtq rights i know i'm going to forget someone and people are going to be upset um labor rights i said labor yeah okay. labor rights um, everything we care about as progressives is going to go down the tubes because the right wing will be in court um and they will be asking the judges to overturn all of the um all the 
the guarantees that we now have in Illinois law. And I want to go back to the LGBTQ issue and the choice issue on this, because just to let people know how important this is, we have in Illinois law um, a H, the Reproductive Health Act that says that regardless of what the Illinois what the U.S. Supreme Court does, um, abortion will remain legal in Illinois. And likewise, uh, marriage equality was settled by the U.S. Supreme Court. And now that um, there are the right wingers are seriously looking at how they're going to overturn that right after they overturn Roe this June. So Illinois is one of 13 states that has marriage equality in our state law. So if the right wingers take over the Illinois Supreme Court, they will go to the Illinois Supreme Court, just like the right wingers have gone to the U.S. Supreme Court and ask that those protections uh, for abortion rights and marriage equality be stricken from Illinois law. So that's how serious this is. And you can go down to any issue that you want. So um, the two districts are um, basically, I'm not going to give numbers because it, it, people aren't going to remember that, but they're starting with uh, DuPage County and Will County and a whole conglomerate of counties in the southern end of um, south of Cook County is one district that's up. And then in the northern part, there's four or five counties, uh, Kane, Kendall, uh, Kane, Kendall, McHenry, Lake, and I think uh, DeKalb County is in there. Yeah. And that is the other one. So Democrats have to win one of these races. The Republicans have to win two. But I will tell you that the that the there's no partisan difference. See, these both of these seats are on the edge. One is a tenth of percent more Democratic, and the other is, I think, about one percent. The one that's anchored in Lake County is about one percent. We have a lot of work to do. This is I am telling people that this 2022 election is the most consequential election in Illinois in 50 years because of these two Supreme Court races. And these are 10-year terms, by the way. So if the right-wingers take over this court, they're going to own the court for 10 years, at least. Um, and then uh, and then from there, we have the governor's race, of course. And then we have all 177 state legislative races, 59 in the Senate, 118 in the House, that are all up for election, which only happens once every 10 years because in the in Every other cycle, a third, approximately a third of the Senate is up and the entire House is up. So every single Senate seat, every single House seat under a newly drawn map is up in 2022. Not to mention all the other constitutional offices from Attorney General, Treasurer, Comptroller, Secretary of State. And um, so and I have to throw in a pitch for um, the amazing Cook County Board President, Tony Preckwinkle, who is also up for election in 2022. We all need to get out there and support Tony because she is one of the most amazing elected officials Illinois has ever had. You know, I got to say this about uh, Terry Cosgrove, very loyal. And uh, Tony Preckwinkle ran and lost for mayor. And a lot of uh, my Demi Dem friends on the north side of Chicago Man, their knees buckle. They went with Lori Lightfoot. And I know Terry's like, Ben, don't give me the middle of that one. I'm just saying, you stay loyal uh, well, to Tony Franklin. You know, it, this is not blind loyalty. These are people that that manage government well. And, know, you know, it's one thing to have ideas. It's one thing to get elected to office. It's quite another 
to be able to do the job. And Tony Preckwinkle is one of the most competent people we have ever had in Illinois office. She knows how to do her job. She knows how to get it done quietly. She she knows how to work with people. She she you know as she's a workhorse, not a show horse. I mean, I don't want to go on and on about her too much, <laughs> but I mean, she is really she is. Um, you know, I, I I'm going to be going out on a limb here, but I always said if Hillary Clinton, Tony Preckwinkle, and Heather Staines ran the world, then none of us would have to do anything. So, uh, all right, we'll stay away from the Hillary oh, Clinton. Yeah, reviving our Bernie. Oh my God! No, I'm not going to go Let's there. Stay away. From from Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about Bernie. I'm not I saying love anything. Bernie Sanders. Don't say anything bad about no, Bernie. What I'm saying is these are three people that I have worked with in government. Yeah. That put their head down and figure out how to get things done. And that's what we should be about. Winning elections and figuring out how to get things done to make our society and our democracy uh, better, um, you know, better institutions. And All that's right, now. Okay, let, let me just go back to the Supreme Court thing. Right. Uh, and we'll, as time goes on, uh, we'll, I'll dedicate shows specifically to the Supreme Court so we get into the issues of which districts, the candidates, that kind of thing. Don't want to do that right now. I just wanted to alert people to the fact that this is something that you should be having in the back of your mind. Very important. And let's talk about it in terms of abortion. I, can I can I just correct you? Not in the back of our minds, in the front of our minds. I Fair mean, enough. this is this is these Supreme Court districts are not a footnote. Yes. <laughs> But as t- we get closer, right. like I said, we uh, get into the details. I'll fill in the details. That's what right. I meant. And we got to talk about abortion rights in the state of Illinois right. because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know you'll vehemently disagree with me if you, uh, if, if you do. It's been known uh, to happen. Go it's ahead. been known to happen. I believe that uh, all of the gains that Illinois is so proud of uh, on the issue of reproductive rights could be washed away if this, if the Republicans take control of the Supremes. I do believe that. Yes. And I got to tell you this, Dems, you better wake up right now. You think you got abortion rights in the state of Illinois right now. There are Republicans who are maneuvering to eradicate all those, all that legislation that Cosgrove and Pritzker and everybody else fought so hard uh, to, uh, to enact Heather Staines, the list goes on, KC, Kelly Cassidy, all that legislation. They're getting ready to challenge Terry. You know it as well as I did. They play to win, too. Right. And no. uh, and so their, their side understands playing to win better than we do. That's the problem. And yes, and and they, like, as, I, as I've said before, these Supreme Court races are not going to be your mother or father's genteel um, Supreme Court races. These are going to be down and dirty races run just like legislative races. There is going to be Ken Griffin is going just like they did with the fair tax and just like they did with Judge Kilbride. They are going to spend untold millions of dollars to try to win these two seats. And anyone that doesn't think that that's not uh, that that's not possible um, is smoking something that I don't understand. Um, this is going to be, these are going to be very, very difficult races. They are going to be 
down and dirty. They're going to be hard fought because the stakes are so high. I mean, what I'm saying here, the other side gets too. They understand that they can strip labor rights. They understand that they can get rid of marriage equality. They understand they can make abortion illegal in Illinois by repealing the Reproductive Health Act, HB 40, and uh, and uh, PNA. Um, they get all of that, and so we have to be. We have to outwork them. We have to outraise them financially. We have to outspend them, and we have to do the job. Well, all right. So I'm gonna. This is a perfect moment for me to. Uh, draw a comparison with Virginia and get your thoughts on this. I kind of teased this with you before we went in the air, uh, but now uh, I'll fl- uh, I'll bring it all out. So in Virginia, uh, in what was it, uh, September, I think? I've lost track of time. Uh, Youngkin won. The uh, Republican won, running as a, re- a Trump light. So he just like distance, distance himself from the more obnoxious antics of Donald John Trump. But he made it clear to uh, Trumpsters, to MAGA, that he was with them on all the issues. Uh, And then he championed just enough issues in the center to win over a suburban swing vote, and he was elected. And that's the template, the Republican template. That's what they're going to follow. They're going to follow it uh, in uh, Illinois as well. Now, this is what I said to you. I don't believe people in Virginia were organized around reproductive rights like they're organized around them in Illinois. So I think that's one difference between the two states. I can't imagine that you, Terry, your allies, are going to let whoever the Republican nominee is, probably Irvin, let's deal with Irvin at the moment, but get away with ignoring the issue of reproductive rights, which is, I think, a big difference between Illinois and Virginia. What do you think of that? Well, first of all, the first, very first thing Richard Irvin did was selected the most radical, outspoken um, advocate of making abortion illegal in Illinois with no exceptions for rape and incest and state representative Avery Bourne. Every single bill that comes to the General Assembly, she is... uh, she is the first and last speaker, and she is very public about how she w- believes abortion should be illegal in Illinois, and she's put in writing that there's there should be no exceptions to rape and incest. That was his very first thing he did as a candidate, was pick her as his running mate. So I think that shows right there where his commitment is, unlike J.B. Brisker, who selected Juliana Stratton, who was a co-sponsor of HB40, and, and every that I just spoke in an event with her on Saturday, um, who was an outspoken advocate of, of reproductive rights. So that picking a running mate shows exactly what, uh, what someone is about. So... Um, so I think right there, but also he's hiding from the press. I mean, have you gotten an interview with him, Ben? Not that I've heard. You haven't. I'm shocked. <laughs> I doubt I'd be even on the list if he were visiting the press, but go ahead. Right. But I, I also think that it's going to be up to the uh, the press in Illinois to, to pin these people down, like, you know, um, on where they stand, all of the candidates running uh, for um, up and down the ticket, um, because the other the other Republican state uh, state reps and senators that are running for various offices 
are, have all voted 100% anti-choice in the Illinois General Assembly. So again, I think this really needs to come down to, I mean, Irvin or whoever the Republican nominee needs to be called out where they stand specifically. But I also think we, we this is a branding issue that uh, a right-winger like Ken Griffin is funding the um, is funding the whole Republican operation, and every single one of them to the person wants to make abortion illegal in Illinois. And also, I think if, if you go to uh, www.janesarmy22.com, we have a list of the 10 worst um, positions of the anti-abortion movement, and at the top there is is them talking about wanting to outlaw birth control. I mean, they're talking about outlawing birth control. Go there, you'll see the their articles, their links to the anti-choice websites where they openly talk about how the pill and the IUD are murder weapons and how they should be outlawed. And if they are able to say that life begins at conception, that's what we're going to get. So they need, they need to be held accountable. I plan on doing that. Personal PAC plans on doing that. And um, all of our allies uh, will step up and do the same on their issues, but also join us in that chorus. So getting back to Virginia, I think you're right. I think that um, that that the they tried, I know, in the final days, it was like when Carol Mosey Braun was running for uh, for reelection in in 1996 to the uh, U.S. Senate. She was advised by a pollster who remained unnamed uh, not to talk about abortion. And when Carol was going down in the last five days of the campaign, they she decided, I've had enough of this. Um, I'm going to talk about abortion. And Carol came very close. We could see the polling almost changing by the hour when when Carol changed her tune. And even the, the Sunday before the election, um, there was a poll that showed that she had pulled even and she barely lost that race in 96. So I, and now with the Supreme Court poised, I mean, just letting the Texas law stay on the books should tell people enough about how cruel and how, um, how outrageous the anti-abortion movement is. And that's exactly what the anti-abortion movement stands for in Illinois is that they would like to bring a Texas law here that, that it, that empowers bounty hunters. You know, I, I'm assuming most of your listeners are well-educated on the Texas law. I won't go into the details, but so I think it's going to be up to us to get the message out there to uh, middle of the road, to moderate Republicans and to Democrats to organize. And so that we keep all of these people out of office, because as I point out to people, Ben, you know who the governor was in Texas in 1992. It was called, her name was Ann Richards. Texas was a pro-choice state in the 1990s, folks. It was not the right-wing hellhole it is today. And Illinois was one of the most anti-choice states in the 1990s. And the only difference between Texas and Illinois now is elections. The right-wingers won elections in Texas, and we won them in Illinois. That's that's the only thing that matters. That's what brought us where we are today. So we cannot afford to go back. We a brief correction from uh, one okay. political nerd to another it was 1998 uh, that Carol Mosley Braun lost. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yes. I know. Six, six year terms. Thank you. So, who is her opponent? That's what I couldn't remember. Um, her opponent was that was uh, prosecutor. Rich. Oh, they loved no, him. No, he was a wealthy rich guy. He was yeah, wealthy. but he was a wealthy rich guy. He appointed, uh, oh boy, there's Fitzgerald. Yeah, Fitzgerald. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, he appointed. That was it. Yeah, Patrick, but he appointed the prosecutor 
uh, don't get me started on the politics. They of were both called Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then he didn't run for reelection. Right. Right. Uh, which meant the other rich kid could run for reelection, uh, whose name I forget. But then he got caught in a sex scandal and he had to drop out. Oh, right, uh, right. And, and that meant that sex club. Yeah. Yeah. Bar- <laughs> Barack Obama got to run against uh, Keys, who. Uh, is now would was considered just a, an extreme far right lunatic and now would be in the mainstream of the Republican Party. Just want to tell you, folks, what you're up against. Don't <laughs> start with the first message. Well, repeat yeah. again. Yeah. Don't just, just fall asleep and get depressed because you watch the MSNBC every night. Go ahead, Terry. No, and I, what I want to say is that, you know, the one issue that we haven't talked about is our very democracy is at risk. I mean, this isn't just, you know, just, I'm putting that in quotes, air quotes for people who um, are listening. Um, I mean, we are, we're, we're on the verge of losing our democracy in the, with this election. And Illinois has some of the best voting rights laws in the country, unlike um, our counterparts in most other states. And so we really need to capitalize on that and, um, and do our part. Yeah, I uh, it's and the, and the rhetoric is getting extreme. So uh, I will I pointed this out to uh, Terry. I'm going to point it out to everybody over the weekend. There were two demonstrations in Washington yeah. on Friday. There was uh, the uh, uh, anti abortion crowd uh, having their demonstration where they said, and I'm doing this from memory. It's a child, not a choice. Two days later on Sunday, the same crew Essentially, a political. I don't know. Literally, the same people, mm-hmm. the same party, convened, no. convened to have an anti-vax rally where they said, "My body, my choice." And Robert Kennedy Jr., Bobby Kennedy's kid, shame, shame on you. That was some of the most venomous, anti-Semitic, callous remarks you made, where you compared making people get a vaccination that protects them from a disease to genocide. I just, and this, you know what T back when that's first kind of the rhetoric where they likened uh, people like Pritzker to Nazis because they wanted to protect people from a disease. There were, you could find a few Republicans who would protest. Now I'm telling you it's, it's become the mainstream of the party. Right. So I'm looking for the denunciations from Kenny G's crowd here in Illinois for the comments at their anti-vax. You're not going to you're not going to see him because they're going along with it. Go ahead. Yeah, It's worse than that. Um, I, I can't recall the source, but I, you your memory is so much better than mine, young man. But um, but there was an article recently how Ken Griffin is funding one of these news outlets that is pushing all this uh all these conspiracy theories and right wing, uh, you know, and right wing messages. So, um, so, you know, they're working hand in glove, the, uh, the people that are funding them. And, and I don't understand how the, um, how, how business feels that, uh, that all these right wingers in our government destroying our democracy is going to be good for business. I don't get it. Um, Just look at business in Russia or any other, um, you know, um, any other country where uh, where they don't have democracy, uh, you're, you know, you it's just it's horrible. So I don't get it, and I don't understand why they're selling out our most basic, fundamental rights, um, which actually, you know, help them a great deal in, uh, in being successful in business. 
All right. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, Rich Miller, we've mentioned him a couple times. He wrote a column uh, this weekend. It was in the Sun-Times on Sunday. Uh, and essentially, I'm boiling it down to this, that uh, J.P. Pritzker better wake up and realize that he's in for a serious uh, fight because Kenny G's going to pump in tens of millions of dollars into this campaign. It's a grudge match. Uh, Prisker defeated Bruce Rauner, who is Kenny G's best friend. They were, I don't know, literally best friends, but they loved each other. Uh, they had their bro bromance going, uh, and so it's payback time. Uh, and he's plucked from obscurity uh, Richard Irvin, the mayor of Aurora, to be the front man on this campaign, and he will pour millions and millions of dollars into making that happen. There's going to be ads pounding Pritzker day and night. Uh, and uh, so how serious do you take this threat, uh, Terry Cosgrove? Well, um, I, I think J.B. is going to run a really good campaign. He's already doing that. But you're totally right. We have to take this very seriously. I mean, we have to get every single uh, progressive, every single Democrat, every single moderate person registered to vote. And we need and we all need to st stand up for J.B. He's one of the best governors we've ever had in the state, one of the most progressive governors. Um, as you know, I think the world of him and uh, and everything he's done for reproductive rights, but also a lot of other issues. He also has been one of the leading voices of sanity in the middle of this covid crisis. I mean, he has done a really good job of managing it uh, here in Illinois. So, yes, we have to take it very seriously because, you know what, you can be right on the issues. But if you don't um, if you don't message it right and you don't have people behind you volunteering the campaign, working for the campaign, um, it doesn't mean much. So we all have to do our part. All of us. I mean, J.D. can't win this on his own. We have to be there uh, helping out. But, yes, it is very serious and no one should be taking this race for granted. I go, back, I go back to, you know, look at look at how progressive Wisconsin was 20 years ago and what happened with Scott Walker. Look at what happened with Texas, with Ann Richards. We can lose all of this in 2022. That is the message. We can get a, a right wing governor. We can lose the General Assembly. We can lose two Supreme Court seats. I mean, there is so much on the ballot. Not a single person should be sitting on the sidelines. There's no reason. There's no excuse uh, for doing this in 2022. This is the most consequential election um, of our lifetime right now coming up. In now, Ter Terry, you, you sound fired up. You've been doing this a long time. Do you ever have these moments where you go, God, I got to pass the to the next generation, pass the torch to the next generation. It sounds like you're ready to go into battle like you were 22 years, 22 year old senior at uh, Champaign. <laughs> well, I have to say, most times I feel that way, uh, even though um, I'm looking at my 70th birthday very soon. So, um, so, uh, but it's yeah. I mean, I listen. I've always, I've, I've always believed in activism, and I've always believed in change. And I really have, you know, I, I you know, when people ask me that, it's funny. I say I don't know what else I do with my life. You know, it's like this. It's in my blood. It, it's just it. It started, you know, when I was 15 years old with the United Farm Workers at Niles West High School the North Shore Committee to, to, you know, to support the United Farm Workers. And I really haven't stopped since then around, you know, about the anti-Vietnam War, the ERA, uh, you know, um, 
I sat on the U of I Board of Trustees and uh, sued them several times and uh, and have just been, you know, this is this is my life. This is who I am. So I really can't explain it. That's really what it comes down to. People have asked me if I'm going to write a book. And I said, well, I don't know what to say other than get to work. You know, put on your big boy pants. That should be the title of it, Ben. Well, it, 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 what to say depends on whether you want to burn every bridge in the state. If he wanted to tell oh, you God. the stories that Terry Cosgrove could tell, but he's well, like, I do I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, I know. I do have a few stories, but everything was done. And I want to be clear here because people have criticized me for some of the relationships I've had. And I have really valued, you know, so many people that I have worked with over the years. Um, but everything I did was in the name of getting things done, that good things done for reproductive rights, for LGBTQ rights, for every, you know, they, for everything that we believe in. And, and that's always what was in my, um, that was always the front and center of everything I did. It was, it was never, it was about strategy, really. Um, I'm trying to think who criticized you. Oh, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch oh of people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, listen, here's the deal. No, people on our side. That, yeah. No, I know. I know uh, friends you know. of mine on the far left would get miffed at some of the centrists you've supported. But I always explain to them, I'm going, this, his issue is reproductive rights. He's standing with the people that support him and that you can't look to – Terry Cosgrove to help you with like TIF reform. Okay. He's not going to be his thing. It's just like, it just, you just got to understand how the game is played. And I do not look to you for help on TIF reform, Terry. Although you, we joined forces for one brief moment in the fight against, remember when Rom thought it was a good idea to give TIF money to that outfit that's uh, yeah, president's healthcare. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. And we won. They did. They never took the vote in the city council. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, they took the vote. They and took he, the vote. Yeah. It was the closest vote he ever had. And you know what? They declined the money. After yeah, they the declined the money. And, uh, oh, boy, I never want to believe ever again anything anybody says about alderman and prerogative because the local alderman was against it. Right. O'Reilly was Brendan Riley was against it. And the city council still voted with Rom. And you know what, guys? You were fed a line of BS with that alderman and prerogative, and you'll never admit it. But yeah, uh, it was it was it was a joy to have you on my side once on <laughs> a tip. <laughs> I'm like, this is what I could have had. And, well, uh, you know what? And the other thing about that fight, I want you to know, because it is ongoing. I mean, religious refusals. I could do a whole show on that. And I won't go into it now, but um, that really educated people as to what the. Um, but the Catholic healthcare directives, um, how discriminatory they are, um, not allowing birth control to be prescribed, um, not certainly not allowing, um, not allowing IVF, not allowing birth control, not not allowing end of life decisions, and particularly for low income people, they are they don't have the choices of those of us that have other health care um, in terms of, you know, who their provider is because they're they're put in certain HMOs. And I don't understand um, all the ins and outs of health care. I'm going to be honest. But um, but they often and, it, you know, um, it's been um, it's been documented in the press. They don't have uh, the option to go to their doctor and they're told, no, we won't prescribe you birth uh, birth control. 
they don't have another place to go. Or if they do, they don't have the money and they don't have the resources to do it. So again, this goes back to yet another issue, which is what all issues are about, is which low-income people get the short end of the stick on everything. And this is another issue that that's maddening to me, that reproductive health care is decided by how much money you have. Um, and even now, as I say, Ben, you know, I, I was talking to Heather Booth about this, um, who people can hear from tomorrow. You know, uh, a wealthy woman from Dallas gets on an airplane and yeah. she flies to L.A. and gets an abortion. She checks into a hotel and she has her procedure. And, you know, by the way, half of abortions now are, are close to half are being done with um, through um, a pill, a medication abortion, they call it, which is safer than an Advil or a Tylenol. So the wealthy woman gets on an airplane, flies to L.A. and gets the pill there, takes it and returns home. The low income woman has to get on a Greyhound bus and come to Illinois or or somewhere else to take a pill that's safer than the Advil, find childcare. Um, if she's punching a clock at a minimum wage job, she she loses income. I mean, the whole thing is a tremendous burden on on, on middle income and low income women. It's really, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. And I got to tell you, uh, I was just when you were when you were uh, going on that riff, I was thinking about. Uh, uh, the rhetoric at the uh, uh, the anti-abortion rally Friday, where they open it up, it's so passive aggressive. Uh, the, the man opens up how we love the other side, and we're all about love, and we're all about getting. And then, meanwhile, two days later, their allies in the anti-vax movement are just spewing the the worst kind of anti-Jewish bile right. you can throw out. And where's the love? Where's all that love for right. humanity? You know, it's like you put on that show at your Friday rally. Because somehow or other, you want to make it seem like you care about life. This is all about your compassion about life. Meanwhile, you've dedicated yourself to a party that's like eradicating life, making life that much more difficult. Please, Terry, explain to me the consistency, the moral consistency. You can't because there is no moral consistency. There is no more. But, you know, the other thing I want to point out that I hasn't gotten a lot of press attention is that a lot of the people that participated, a lot of the white men that participated in the January 6th insurrection actually got their training outside of um, abortion care facilities, demonstrating harassing, committing violence, um, blowing up. Um, they are they, so many of the participants in the January 6th insurrection got their training over the years in the anti-abortion movement. And there's documentation on this where the Proud Boys and all these other guys are out in front of abortion clinics on Saturday demonstrating harassing and threatening women going in for care and threatening the employees there. So, um, and so it was such a, it was such malpractice for people to ignore the anti-abortion violence that has gone on in this country over the last 50 years. I mean, I think it's eight doctors have been murdered in cold blood um, by anti-abortion uh, activists. Um, the number of there was just a few weeks ago I, in Kentucky or Tennessee, an abortion uh, Planned Parenthood was burnt to the ground by an arsonist. I mean, this is the uh, there's been an ongoing war against reproductive rights, against against abortion care in this country for close to the last 50 years. And the media in general, not you, Ben, but the media in general and our law enforcement has looked the other way and had more attention been paid to it. 
I don't know if the January 6th insurrection would have had the same impact that it had. So again, going back to ignoring, you know, all the seeds of of this right wing violence um, has really cost us. All right. Uh, we'll close with you yeah. giving one more promotion. Uh, Heather Booth, ladies and gentlemen, she's a legend. Yes. I knew her back in the 80s when she was a political activist in Chicago, big time Harold Washington supporter. She's been on the show a few times. Very busy uh, person. Hard to get her on the show. So you're very lucky that you have her with you, uh, Terry. You tell her I said hello. She is a legend oh, in my is. opinion she was in mississippi in 1964 doing voting rights uh work and voting registration work 1964 folks that's a long time ago heather boots been fighting this fight for a long long time so one last time t tell uh people what they have to do if they want to uh, hear yeah tomorrow night six o'clock it's free um, if you go to janesarmy2022.com, you can sign up. It's at six o'clock. It's going to feature Heather, who, by the way, Ben, I am going to email you the Democracy Now! interview with her last night uh, talking about Jane and the three movies that are showing it at, uh, at Sundance right now. But janesarmy2022.com, that's the website. Scroll to the bottom. There's a link there to sign up for the event tomorrow night at six o'clock with the one and only Heather Booth, um, who I am so um, grateful to count as a friend and a co-conspirator in this work, as well as State Representative Kelly Cassidy and um, Andy Friedman, personal PAC board members, going to talk about what's going on at the national level. It's going to be an hour that you don't want to miss, and, uh, and then you can sign up um, to take the pledge to join Jane's Army. We do need an army to fight this war. This is a war on reproductive rights, a war on democracy, and the way you respond to a war is you put an army together, and that's what we all need to be. Thank you very much for having me, Ben. And uh, it's my pleasure. It's always a blast to talk politics with the great Terry Cosgrove. He's got his big boy pants on. He's ready to go do I some do. battle. Uh, I want to thank you very much uh, for coming on. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, Pride of George, yes. Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Heather Booth and Terry Cosgrove will tell you, back home at all, and they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. <laughs> Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Peace. means more opportunity for working families across the region, creating 1,100 construction jobs and 330 permanent roles at this resort. That's not correct. When this casino gets built, not only are we going to create a whole bunch of jobs, and I'm talking about hundreds of ongoing jobs, also a 1,000 jobs just building it. And on top of that, all of the tourists that are going to come... Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.